Today's episode is brought to you by Dreammaker Racing, the New York bred specialist. From top quality New York bred racehorses, Hall of Fame trainers, and unmatched hospitality services, Dreammaker Racing has everything to offer when it comes to owning a racehorse. Have you ever imagined what it's like to see your horse cross the finish line first at racetracks like Saratoga or Belmont? Well, now you can. Dreammaker Racing will put you in the winner's circle. Call today at 518 518- 587-5550 or visit DreamMakerRacing.com and let us make your dreams come true today. And we're live, pal. And that music, that beautiful music, can only mean one thing. The scumbag known as Justin Munson is joining us today. How are you, brother? I'm well, buddy. How are you? Hey, did you like that intro? I, I, I mean, I hate to call you a scumbag. That's what KP called you. Not my words, his words. Hey, you know, I'll take it any way I can get it, especially a fight song like that, you know. Who knows when yeah. the next time we're going to hear it. So I'll take well, that fight the, song any time I can hear it. This episode might be the last time you hear it. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. We'll uh, shout you out and introduce you to the group, to the crowd, if you will, uh, in a moment. But before we do any of that, please like, rate, subscribe to the Patient Stew Podcast at P-I-E-S-C-H underscore S-T-U cast on Twitter. Uh, this week's been really great for us. We've uh, we've been able to get out on some different platforms, namely uh, Mapper Near, uh, his wonderful program that he does for the In the Money guys. Uh, it was a lot of fun to join him and be part of that YouTube uh, episode and, and podcast um, compendium, uh, you know, because I'm, I went to Michigan State. I can use big words like that. Uh, yeah. I know, Justin. <laughs> hey, hey, man. Got to flaunt that degree anyway you can, right? Yeah, absolutely. So please check out Matt Bernier's show. Uh, it's fantastic. If you can pick the winner of the ninth race at Saratoga, I went with Blamed. You can be uh, a guest any Monday. Um, he'll call you up and you can help handicap a race. I think that's one of the coolest things that's going out there and one of the most inventive uh, things that is going out there in the world of horse racing podcasting. Um, And he's a great friend to not only the show, but myself. So give him a listen. Um, But, but now we got to get to you, you know, that, that clears the, uh, the air for, for this podcast. We got to get to you money. Justin Money Munson, uh, it's good to have you on, friend. Uh, I miss your face. Yeah, man, it's it's been a minute. Uh, been listening to the show and a uh, big fan, so I'm I'm excited to be here. Well, I appreciate that, man. Um, where can people find you before we start getting into anything, so we can uh, uh, get your hot takes? It's a lot of uh, basketball work and it's a lot of high school uh, sports news but it's good stuff it's really interesting and and I found myself watching how to uh, properly run a pick and roll 
on your Twitter. Uh, where can we find you? Yeah, some of my stuff is uh, a little more coaching related. I do I do coach a little bit. So um, if you're into that type of thing, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, it's JT Munson 11. Um, that's pretty much where I post all my coaching stuff for my guys uh, to see, especially during this uh, crazy quarantine time, trying to get as much information out to my guys as I can. But uh, as, as far as my hot takes, I tend to keep those to uh, more private conversations so they can't get used <laughs> against me later. <laughs> well, hopefully you share uh, a smidge of them as we go through today because we got a few topics to hit on on an abbreviated show. Peach is unfortunately um, uh, he, he's, he's occupied right now. Um, we hope to have him either tomorrow night. We, we're going to have another show for you this week that's going to, uh, you know, kind of fill that void to a little bit of content this week, uh, some shorter shows. Hopefully you dig it. Um, but let's jump off into something that is near and dear to both of our hearts because we are uh, Glens for punishment. College football, college football uh, news, Big Ten, Pac-12, Pac-15, Pac-22, whatever you want to call them. I call them, uh, they're the Pac-10, always will be to me. Um, both those conferences and the SEC and ACC, probably sure to follow, announcing conference only, no non-conference games. So goodbye, Oregon, North Dakota State. Goodbye, Alabama, USC. Goodbye, Ohio State, Oregon. I think Ohio State was playing Oregon this year. Yes. Um, so we say goodbye to that. We rework the conference schedules. I mean, I, I personally, I don't know how you see it, but I personally, I, I think it's like a 20% chance college football even gets played. What, what did you make of this whole, uh, you know, announcement by both these uh, conferences and assuming that it's only conference only play? Yeah, I guess I wasn't surprised by the announcement. Um, just because, especially like you had, you had mentioned, some of those non-conference games were, were a lot farther travel for teams. Um, so it didn't surprise me that they were going to try to keep him football, you know, football specifically more localized. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I might even put it less than 20%, honestly, because I think at this point, uh, a lot of that is going to be, you know, determined on what the other sports find out when they re, re, um, restart their seasons. You know, how does baseball perform? How does the NBA do in their bubble? Um, if they're able to have some success doing things like that, the this college football look to try to implement things that they were successful with at the college level. The, the problem with that is there's not the funding uh, at the collegiate level that there is at some of those, you know, major, major sports um, teams. So um, I might even put it less than that to be quite honest with you, but I think this is the, this announcement doesn't surprise me from that regard, but um, I, I think it's only the tip of the iceberg, to be honest, as you've seen some of the other leagues cancel fall seasons altogether. You know, and it's a shame because I'm expecting Phil Steele's uh, college football preview magazine in, in a couple of days, which when I get that, I'm going to be super happy and super sad at the same time. <laughs> uh, Cause I know like, 
for me, it's not just the Power Fives. I mean, we're we're Spartan fans through and through, and I'll get to that that bit of it because I, I think the Spartan aspect of this is is kind of interesting, and and it goes for a few teams. But me and you, we're we're guys that love watching Army play, you know, Tulane, and we we're gonna be up at one o'clock in the morning watching Hawaii play South Dakota Northwestern or whatever. Yeah. Um they don't play South Dakota Northwestern, of course. They <laughs> but you know we we got Hawaii on, on CBS sports at one o'clock in the morning and we got money on it. Oh yeah. Um, it's just one of those things where well I know I do. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah I, I like think to you, dabble. I like to dabble. You like to dabble. Fair enough. Uh, maybe I can talk to you offline about uh, if this season goes on. I, I got a little dabbling. Okay. Um, All right. But, you know, the, losing those games, and I think you are going to lose those games because I don't think uh, this situation is setting up right for conferences outside the Power Five. Do you, do you think that we even have a max season or we even have – uh, a Sun Belt or a Conference USA, et cetera? Yeah, I, I think a lot of those leagues have to be, you know, not only in jeopardy of their fall seasons, but of all their seasons. I mean, those those smaller schools, I mean, it's no, it's well documented that they take on those beatings in the non-conference schedule as a payday to help fund the rest of their programs. So I think central central Michigan was like slated to get like 1.5 mil. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah, a couple it, other max schools that were like in the two mil range. There's some, uh, I think Florida Atlantic was slated to get like two mil there. There's a few other schools in there, quite a few actually that are, you know, in that 800,000 to 1.3 million range that they would get from playing these bigger power five schools. Yeah. So, so if you don't have that money coming in, you know, what does that do to your athletic department? You know, what does that do to your sports, the other sports that are non-revenue sports? Um, I think it really calls into question a lot of those. So yeah, I would not be surprised, especially with the shorter notice, you know, with the canceling of the seasons now or the non-conference season now, you know, what does a team like Central Michigan, what are those other Mac schools, you know, locally here, what do they do? How do they find a way to increase their revenue so they can afford to keep other sports on the books? I mean, we've seen it with some of those Mac um, schools already that are cutting sports, you know, pretty prominent sports like like baseball and Bowling and Green did, but, but yeah. I think Bowling Green reinstated baseball. No? I think they did. I think they got a they got some fundraising from donors and things like that. But you know that's a program that's been around for forever. So you know to to think that that was that was cut a couple months ago. I mean before you know some of this even took a turn towards the worst. But I, I don't know. I think it calls into question a lot of those things. And and not having you know seen those books openly. I, I can only speculate what what it would look like, and uh, I can't imagine it looks very good. So, you know, I, I have to ask you because I know a little bit about your background. I don't mm-hmm. want to get into it too much, but for for the D1AA, the D2, the D3 schools, I mean, 
what what's their outlook is it is it just a wash do we do we how are they approaching it yeah i mean i think um i think it it really just depends on the the school and the league right now i mean you're seeing some of those uh division 2 II, division 3 junior college um you know they're already moving sports to the to the spring you know that's their plan to try to to get a season in but um yeah i think I think everybody's kind of waiting and, you know, trying not to be the first one to make a decision unless you're somebody like the Ivy league, which they just don't care and, and go ahead and make, make big choices. I mean, they, they were the first ones to cancel the, um, you know, the basketball conference in the spring and, and told them said that their teams weren't playing in the NCAA tournament just, you know, days before they canceled the whole thing. So um, I think the division two level, they maybe don't have the, you know, some of those like football specifically as a revenue sport, but um, I don't know. I don't know if universities can, um, can financially back, um, you know, not having football. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. I, I mean, I, I know from my little experience that I think people are just planning to have a season and hoping for the best at this point. Cause I think, I still think there's a lot that's going to come out in the next, you know, few weeks to really determine what the fall is going to look like for for those smaller schools specifically. With uh, with regards to the Power Five schools, uh, I've kind of and I took a uh, took a big part of my take from a guy that um, his name rhymes with Nico Reard. <laughs> yes, uh, frequent frequent listener of Nico. Yeah, yeah. Shout out Rico Beard. He's he's a G. Um I I love I love his takes on uh Spartan Live. Um he he brought up a great point and that is, you know, when you look at a school like Michigan State where Mel Tucker was introduced as head coach very late in the game. Um and that's a whole podcast we could do. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Why that was, uh, and maybe one of these days, if we ever get the uh, the fanfare for for it, we can go into it. But um, it, it, look at Colorado, Boston College, Mississippi State, Mississippi. Uh, go down the list. If you have a new coach, your your school in this situation, if you are playing in a month and a half you're screwed. I mean, you haven't seen these kids. You haven't had uh, spring practices. You can't install anything. You're basically installing the 2014 college football NCAA playbook uh, for your team. Halfback dive, Uh, you know, all streaks, (laughs) you know, that's all, that's all you're running. Um, You're going to look like coach Doug's out there. So, I, I mean, for you it, as a Spartan fan in this situation, do you think it's beneficial to just wait, or do we do we kind of just get if we're able to get a season in anyway, at the expense of you know twenty thirty schools with new coaches? Yeah, I think uh, I think you brought up good points there because I do. I do wonder if Mel Tucker's, you know, 
sitting somewhere crossing his fingers and, and praying that the season gets canceled um, or at least move to spring, but um, just to try to buy him some more time. Cause yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, they, they lost out on so much. I mean, they were scrambling when he first got hired to get ready for spring ball. And I'm really glad that they did that to have it canceled <laughs> and nothing came of it. And then they lost all their summer workout, um, you know, workouts. They didn't get to see any of their guys. Um, you know, doing conditioning with the strength staff, um, any of that type of stuff. And and now with camp looking like that's going to – they are practicing up there at Michigan State – or not practicing, I shouldn't say. They're, they're football players are on campus now um, and are able to do some – I guess you could call it workouts, but they can't touch footballs and they can only use certain pieces of equipment. So I'm not really sure how football-specific it is if they can't you know, walk through plays and things like that. But again, that builds on your, on your point that you were talking about. I mean, they are so far behind the eight ball um, because, you know, being realistic about it, studying a playbook or, or watching film uh, can prepare, can prepare you only one way to play the game. So to not be able to get out there and run through the plays and, and physically, you know, perform them, yeah, I, I think Michigan State is really far behind the eight ball, and I got to think that Coach Tucker is just hoping for more time in, in one way or another, you know? Yeah, no, I I, I think, you know, for, purely from a selfish reason uh, for the team, I, I hope we do get to, you know, get a little bit of time in. But if we end up playing, um, I know Peach – had kind of mentioned to me uh, offline in the conversation that he was reading an article from The Athletic, and granted it was from some agents, and that's your source, but agents saying that, hey, they don't think some of the bigger you know, college football talents are going to play. So Rousseau, the DN for Miami, Trevor Lawrence, uh, you can name a few others. Yep. Uh, just just go set out the season. Hey, we're top five picks. I mean, and, and realistically, if you're those guys, why would you play? You know? I mean, it's – I don't know. And then it, and then you talk about pushing it to the spring. That brings up a whole, a whole different avenue too. People seem to think that that's the easy solution is to just move it to the spring. But not even – you know, looking over the logistics of it, I don't think you see any of those guys play, you know, as they're, as they're getting – ready for the draft a, a couple months later, you know, it's, it, it wouldn't even be worth them playing. And, um, you know, the interesting case in that would be like Justin Fields who he could move. Cause I think Trey Lance, uh, the quarterback for North Dakota state, shout out to you, the Bobcat. Um, it's a Bobcat call. He was the first one to turn me on to him and, and nice. a few others have, uh, have kind of subsequently, you know, reaffirmed this uh, idea that the QB for North Dakota State, I don't know if money, if you saw his, uh, his tapes, but very good. I mean, this guy, this guy can move the pocket. He, he checks down, he moves through progressions, his ball placements there, his footwork's there, his eyes are there. I mean, Granted, he's beating up on Drexler and Butler and, <laughs> you know, South Dakota State, you yeah. know. So, 
James Madison, what are you really doing? But at the same time, when you see talent, it's there, you know, a la Carson Wentz, a la Josh Allen, uh, you know, you can go down the list, but um, a guy like Justin Fields, do you think that it, it, is it 50, 50? Is it less? Is it more in your mind for a guy like Justin Fields who comes out and goes, well, you know, Trevor Lawrence is sitting out and I just got to beat this dude from North Dakota state. And I could put up some, uh, you know, NCAA 11 football numbers over here. Um, so I'm going to just do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it is truly 50, 50 cause you look at it. I mean, obviously not the same situations, but guys have sat out seasons in the past. Um, you know, and it maybe didn't work out so well for them, but obviously it's a little bit different. So I, I think there is some, I mean, I think there's always, it's always a good thing when you can get more tape out there for people to evaluate. Um, but again, you, you run the risk of, you know, playing in meaningless games. I mean, again, we keep talking about it. What, what's to stop it the season from starting and being four, five games in and then the, the flu well, season that's why and, I think and they panic and <laughs> they cancel the whole season. And Well, you know, again, I think that's why they're front loading the divisional games. To give them an out so that, you know, okay, you play everybody in your division up front and we can move those games around. We can wait a week or two in between if there's a spike or what have you. But it it allows for a possible division champion and you can play a very abbreviated uh, schedule. Yeah, I think it's – that's unfortunately where we're headed with all of our sports is, you know, these abbreviated seasons. It's like, well, that's great that, you know, Michigan state got in going four and one somehow in their first five games, but they, <laughs> no way five, how. but they only, you know what I'm saying? Like I, you can throw out whoever Purdue, you know, Northwestern, whoever. I, I think with, Indi- you know, to, I, to be honest, I think Indiana's scary. Yeah, because, but, but because point, Michael like, Penix season, like Michael Penix, that, go ahead. No, Michael Penix, and and you know this damn well. Michael Penix might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten, not named Justin Fields. I agree with that, hundred ten percent. Yeah, if Justin Fields wasn't in the Big Ten this year, Michael Penix Jr. would be poss- the leading candidate for Big Ten Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean, at minimum, quarterback of the year. But you're you're right. He's he's scary talented, and and that team is really good. I guess my point was, you know, could we be excited about that if a team that you know we didn't see as a contender pops up and and ends up making a run to to win a division title when in more normal circumstances over twelve games usually a team like that will stumble. You know, and they may well, have end up I'd, with a great season, but they're not gonna they're not gonna be a division champion at at nine and three or eight and four. But sure. because they're only gonna play half a season, you know, there's a chance. I mean, you, you you can apply it to any of these sports that we're talking abbreviated seasons for. There's a chance that those teams, you know, that maybe aren't supposed to be any good, it gives them a, a dang good chance. All it takes is them to get hot at the you know to start the season and they're right there apparently to win a division. You know, it's, it's crazy to think about. 
Well, you know, it's funny because me and you, I think, look at the Big Ten the same way where it's like, you know, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State have have run roughshod over the rest of the schools for how many decades now? And it's like when when Minnesota gets good, we go, oh, isn't that cool? Isn't <laughs> that cute? cute? When, when <laughs> Northwestern has that good team every once every two decades, you go, oh, look at Northwestern. Go Wildcats. Or Indiana has that one good team every century. Oh, sure. look at the Hoosiers. Good for them. You know, it's been a long time since Antoine randall has been back there. And I think they only went to, like, the Sun Bowl that year. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I think I think in that way, I mean, it's kind of fun because, you know, I, I think there's a lot more teams that are those lower-level lower bowl-type teams that could make a move. I mean, Tennessee, this would be a ripe year for him. Um, yeah. North Carolina, this would be a ripe year for him. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you could go down the list of, of these, you know, borderline teams that are returning a lot of their starters and they, they get a leg up on everybody. Uh, and, and I don't think it puts them in the class that Ohio State is or Clemson or Bama. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, it puts them in contention to be in striking range. And and all you need is an opportunity. I mean, how many times have we seen something weird happen in a conference championship game? Yeah, I mean, you get you get there enough chances. You give yourself, you know, you give yourself more opportunities to, to win one of those. And, yeah, like you mentioned, we've seen some crazy stuff in those conference title games. So, yeah, I don't get me wrong, man. I'm not. I'm not knocking even if it is a shortened season because at this point, I'll take any any sports. Uh, you know, I can get especially college football. Um, so I, I hope they figure out a way to make it work and and get those guys, you know, able to be on campus and and do it safely, so so we can see them play because that's ultimately what we what we all want, you know. Yeah. I I, I can't wait for college football. It's it's more important to me than NFL, um, probably because of the team that we both uh, tend to root for. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I think another component to this is the high school aspect and, and what pushing a season to next spring would mean high school-wise. We're going to have Scott Bernstein on. Uh, we're going to ask him about that. Scott Bernstein's a uh, uh, high school reporter, high school athletics reporter for the Oakland Press, and he's also the host of the original Gangsters podcast. Please check that out. That is fantastic. Listen, money, you got to check this thing out because next time you're cutting yeah. on this, this podcast is legit. Uh, yeah. So I actually listened to him on uh, on your podcast earlier. Um, and because of it, I'd heard of the podcast before, but the way he talked to, um, the last time you interviewed him, I, uh, downloaded them all and I'm trying to catch up. I'm a little far behind, but, uh, no, that's awesome for sure. No, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. He's, he's a good dude. And, uh, we're going to have him on, uh, very soon, um, to talk some of these recruiting things. Um, some of the things that we're going to touch on, uh, as we wrap up down the road here in a little bit and, 
and uh, uh, of course a few obligatory uh mob questions because it's fascinating yeah you have to yeah. <laughs> you have to if he's here you got to um <laughs> speaking of mob uh the mob is out and everybody is proclaiming cam newton to bring back the patriots uh i i are you buying into the twitter hype videos i mean uh, i mean i kind of am i, I kind of dig it i love the is, twitter hype videos does this does this automatically go on to the Mount Rushmore of Bill Belichick moves? Oh, it's it's Randy it, Moss and Jace. Uh, if it doesn't, it's really close because the minute you think that that they might be dead or out of the water, like I mean, they were thinking about Jared Stidham as a starting quarterback of that hey, organization. The, Bob, like, the I, I, Bobcat, come on, the Bobcat said, and I quote. Jared Stidham's gonna be awesome. So, <laughs> I, so I don't know what that means, but I mean, well, Stid- he did wait. In in his defense, he did torch the Lions in a preseason game. So, based on that tape, yeah, you could say that Jared Stidham is going to be a very good NFL quarterback. Stony Case torched the Lions, so I mean, that's. <laughs> Yeah, that's a long list of those quarterbacks. That's a illustrious uh, list. I think Matt Flynn still sends them a thank you card every year (laughs) for that game at Lambeau. Man, they got Matt Flynn paid. Matt Flynn got paid after that game uh, in Green Bay, man. Good thing the Seahawks drafted Russell Wilson, or they may have never become the team that they had. Oof. Because that was that was the same year they signed him that offseason they drafted. Russell Wilson. So, old, old Pete made a wrong move there, Ooh. but uh, save yeah, himself. Yeah, Cam. Cam's so interesting because obviously he he had some injuries he dealt with, and and it's hard. It's really hard to identify what he's become because he's still relatively young. Mm-hmm. But Carolina <laughs> never really had uh, what's that thing. <clears throat> Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, oh, wide receivers. <laughs> um, they, I mean, Kelvin Benjamin for a second. Hey, hey, they had Devin Funches. Oh yeah, who yeah, was yeah. the greatest wide receiver to come out of Michigan, wasn't he? <laughs> From what I understand and read in the in the history books, yes, he is the greatest ever. I mean, he was the biggest mismatch nightmare. Oh yeah, for, for four years is all yeah. I ever heard. You know, in Madden, he had uh, a 101 rating. That's what Ooh. my Wolverine fan, yeah. fans tell me. I can't yeah, imagine like, when that box shows at the door. <laughs> Funches <laughs> and, and the corpse of Kelvin Benjamin. and uh, I, I, get, I get what you're saying, Stu, but, but what do the Patriots have that are going to make that, you know, that are going to be any different from the – I'll tell you, in that here, here's the biggest offensive threat they have, okay? That is that the Panthers don't. The and that there. is uh, – no, that that's uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah. Fair. And I, I, think, I think that, even though he's a defensive guru, Bill <clears throat> knows football, and I trust in Bill. You have to. I mean, at this point, his track record – with the Giants, his track record with the Browns, his track record. Uh, 
I, you know, I guess I could bring up the Jets, but it was like a four-hour <laughs> track record. Uh, it, it, but what he's done with the Patriots and adapting that team and spearheading it in the right direction, I, I you just got to trust in him, right? Yeah, I mean, he is he's giving you every reason to trust every move that he will ever make. Um, because yeah, he's he's done it enough times that yeah, I'm and again, this goes back. I seeing a move like this, um, you know, it it it's got to rejuvenate them as a as a franchise, as a team, I would imagine, you know, uh, just to see like you talked about a big young athlete like that. I mean, he, he can and he can throw. I mean, it, it's all about the what they ask him to do. Will they run him as much as they did in Carolina? You know, will they I don't try think to so. I, and I think if they're smart, they won't because he's proven that don't get me wrong. It's a weapon. He is a weapon at that size and, and that physical ability to, to run the football, but he never has been able to hold up. His, you know who, you, you know, who really intrigues me on that team is Cole Komet. Yeah. I, I, you know, I thought him and Chase Claypool at Notre Dame drug that team to the record that they had last year. Um, I think they were 10 and two last year. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Nine and three, 10 and two, something like that. Um, Between Cole Komet and Chase Claypool, I mean, that Notre Dame team got drugged to the finish line by those guys. Yeah. Because uh, there's not a ton of talent on that offense or that defense. Um, so having having a guy like that at tight end, and I forget for the life of me who their other tight end is. It's not bad. Um, you got Edelman. Nikhil Harry on paper, you know, makes a step forward. I mean, you can't you can't regress from being god awful. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, you give him a little slack because he's a, he was a rookie. I mean, and he was asked to do do a lot. But and Bra- yeah, Brady, Brady makes a quick decision on if he's going to throw you the ball or not. Um, sure. Sure. So I I really think that Cam has he obviously has better weapons. Um, I you know, it's interesting that, you know, Christian McCaffrey comes alive and becomes the best player in football possibly or the most mm-hmm. versatile I'll say the most versatile player in football um because you know you can make the case Mahomes is the best player currently in football sure. um but Christian you know when he's not uh getting after uh you know barstool girl of the week uh, you know, when he's not running through that list, uh, that guy, that guy w- is a hell of a weapon. Sony Michelle is a different build. James White is a different thing. Uh, it's yeah, gonna be I mean, interesting how he fits in. Well, right, and I, I think to your point, I, I think it's they're gonna create a system that's that's gonna keep him safe, keep him upright, and I think it's gonna be a lot of you know. Maybe not the prettiest offensive football, but it might be a lot of ground and pound. I mean, you look at the running backs they have on that roster, like you mentioned. You know, you have Sony Michelle. You have a Damian Harris, who is still a solid 
running back. Rex Burkhart, I think he's been on that team for it seems like ever, but he always seems to be effective. You know, and then you mentioned guys like James White, and, and I, I think they can use those guys to set up Cam and put him in positions where he can he can stay clean and, and deliver the ball down the field and and make plays that way. So I, I'll be very curious to see what they what they end up doing, but I, I think there's a ton of potential there, and that you know giving those type of weapons to like you said a guy like Belichick is uh, potentially pretty scary still. Here, here's the question I'll leave you with. Over or under, nine and a half wins for the Patriots. I mean, you take that division into account. Initially not looking at the rest of their schedule, I would, I would take the over. I mean, you get to play Miami twice, it's still going to be bad. I think Buffalo's closer, but I don't know if they're the team that's going to go into New England and win and yeah, you know, my problem my problem with Buffalo is that I just don't trust Josh Josh Allen. I say that that was he, what I was gonna say. He's like he's like uh, oh he's Ricky Vaughn. He's the Ricky Vaughn of of the NFL, where he can sling it a hundred miles an hour, but you don't know where the ball's going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, so I got yeah, Ricky Vaughn. I'm my bad. I got Ricky Vaughn mixed up with uh, uh, Lelouch, Nuke Lelouch from uh, Bull Durham. Remember when uh, Costner's <laughs> like uh, hit the mascot? <laughs> I don't know where the ball's going. Um, yeah, he's kind of like that. It's he just you know he can throw it a hundred miles an hour. It's like he's got a Nerf ball. Uh, the Nerf football in his hand, and he's John Elway chucking it out of the stadium, but you don't know where it's going. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think he's he's a kid that you that you want to like, you want to believe in, especially from like a fantasy standpoint or a, or a betting standpoint. But yeah, he just he hasn't been able to put it all together yet. But you know, maybe uh, maybe Jake Fromm pushing him from the backup spot will. Uh, We'll get him locked in this year or something. That that's a cute take. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so, you know, hey, we're we're getting close to um, baseball getting going. Are you watching these inter squad games? Because I find them just wildly fascinating. So I haven't watched them as much as I would have liked um, or have liked to do so far. Um, been a little busy, as you can imagine, but. Um, but yeah, it's it is interesting because, especially for a team like, uh, I mean, the Tigers. You know, we're not supposed to be very good, but it's a good chance for us to see a lot of prospects, and I think that's what ultimately everybody wants to see. Um, I mean, so to kind of tie that into maybe a shortened MLB season, I I would have loved to have seen them, um, you know, not count the this year as. Um, uh, you know, so it didn't start the clock on prospects because I think a team like the Tigers, who's realistically not going to win anything anyways, I'd love to see those young pitching prospects pitch, you know, every fifth day and and see some of those guys. So, yeah, these inter-squad scrimmages have been awesome, awesome to watch. I saw I saw Jared Kelnick the other day for the Mariners who they received from uh, the Mets in that – that god awful, you know, DMT Joe Rogan inspired trip trade uh, for Edwin Diaz. Jared Kelnick yeah. went yard 
twice just bombs um sure it's really fun to watch these uh, these prospects play because you know that this taxi team whatever it is it's like what 40 guys something like that like 40 guys and a lot of really top prospects in there every every team's putting their best their 40 best prospects on this team uh to get them some playing time so that they can you know play a little bit uh your your top picks from this year last year i mean it's it's really fun to see these guys play and and the fact that it's free to watch uh only adds to it i mean it's just it's awesome to throw on youtube and there's a new inner squad game uh, i was watching a little bit of the cubs inner squad game um tonight and i think this is where baseball should eventually move in some fashion um, to something where I'm not saying inter squad games, but I like how they're being very open with their media rights because then it allows everybody to share these great catches or these home runs or these exciting prospects. Um, it's something the NBA has been really a leading, you know. Uh, factor in the NBA's led the way on this. Yeah, I I think that's a good point. Um, I mean, because it is something that baseball, you know, you don't see unless you're really into the college baseball World Series. But you don't you don't see these prospects coming up like you do in college basketball for the NBA. Um, so yeah, any opportunity to see them. I mean, usually spring training isn't really on TV. And if it is, it's usually on a one o'clock on a Tuesday when most of us are at work. So it's like, how much are we actually able to watch it and see any of these prospects? And I mean, to be quite frank, when you're a fan of a team like the Tigers, who's in a rebuild or, or supposedly going to be God awful, like we need something to be hopeful for. You'd love to see it. Riley Green going up and robbing the home run. And, you know, uh, what's his name? Derek Hill making a diving catch in the outfield, like these prospects. That Derek Hill, maybe, Derek Hill's like, you know, yeah, he's, he's not exactly be, a prospect. That probably no, mind, he's but. like forty-two. <laughs> I was yeah, just surprised that he problem. made that the kind of move. Shout out. Yeah, I mean that was yeah. a hell of a catch, but yeah, no, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting though. So yeah, please if if you get some time and you uh, dig a a baseball team, they got they got the inner squad games up. Go go give it a look. It's actually pretty fun to watch. Um, before we wrap up I, and before we take it home here, you're a guy that's uh, very plugged into uh, recruiting to the high school basketball side. Uh, you've seen a lot of the um, higher echelon prospects over the next few years. Um, I just wanted to ask, you know, because w- we've talked a lot about Imani Bates on this uh, on this podcast the past few weeks. W- what makes him special? Is is he really the best since LeBron? 
And and are there any other prospects that are under the radar that that you've noticed that come to mind? Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's interesting now, and of course they'll always. It's the way our it's the way we are now is we're always looking for the the comparison. Who does this player compare to? And uh, Amani does do a lot of things, you know, the hype specifically that that LeBron had. The difference was is social media wasn't what it was back then. So the only time we saw LeBron was when he played a primetime game on ESPN. You know, I can remember sitting down and watching those and and just in awe of this guy. But but now there's so much more exposure and <clears throat> and and the guys are so much more out there. I mean, they're posting workout videos now. We didn't see LeBron work out in high school. I mean, we have no idea what those look like. So um it is hard to compare, but, but Amani is special. I, I was lucky enough. Um, I've seen him play in person a couple times. Um, and he, he can do it all. It's, it's really impressive. Uh, in the limited comparison I could make, I think he does um, get to the basket like LeBron. I think he's a, a better passer than people give him credit for. Um, the one thing that I would say I think he does better than LeBron at this point um, is he's a better shooter. He can, he can shoot the ball, uh, you know, NBA range already. And that was something that LeBron didn't develop until he got to the league, in my opinion. So, um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, there's, there's been comparisons that they're current, you know, LeBron as a sophomore, Imani as a sophomore, they're, they're about the same size. So you, you're curious to see how he fills out compared to LeBron. Man, if that happens, yeah, you're talking about another once in a, once in a generational player, I guess. But if he doesn't, then, you know, maybe he's more of a Kevin Durant type scorer. Um, it's so funny I, you bring him up because I see him – LeBron was a man-child. When uh, he was a senior, even yeah. Even at St. So. Ma- Mary's, yeah, when he was coming out, it was like, wow, this this dude's built like a like a grown man. Yeah, and I think that's where the maybe the next two years for Imani – well, maybe one year. We'll see what happens. But one year, um, <laughs> it's one year. <laughs> Has to be right. Has to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's where uh, you know. I'm curious to see what steps. Because uh, I, in my opinion, if I had to speculate, I don't think he will. He will be the size. You know, he'll be able to put on the size like LeBron, and I think that's what makes LeBron more of a freak is that he was able to fill out and 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 be the, the, the physical specimen that he is now. And I don't know if Amani will ever get there, especially by the time he, you know, gets to Michigan State. I, but. I don't think he I don't think he has to. I mean, the way oh, the NBA is going. definitely not. No. Uh, Giannis isn't like, you know, it, it, it's not like he's Schwarzenegger. By no, I stretch. agree. I agree. And, and like I said, I think, I think his skill set um, is going to put him right there with, with anybody when it comes to, you know, to putting the, the ball in the basket. I think he has the complete game. I mean, you, and obviously in high school, it's a little bit different, but there's, there's teams throwing two and three guys at him and he's still making plays and, you know, not only for himself, but for teammates. And I mean, he hit, he hit two or three game winners this past winter. I mean, he's got guys hanging all over him and he's, you know, up at the rim for a tip in for the win. He's hitting a, a fadeaway NBA three pointer. Like he just, he's already making those plays that, that we didn't see from LeBron until he got, you know, two, three years into the league. So I don't know. He's just got that 
maybe maybe it's a bad comparison too, but he's got a little bit of that Mamba, you know, Black Mamba mentality to him where he just he's a competitor, and um, you really see that on the court when when he's um, when he plays. When when I and and I've only seen the the tape on him, um, but he just reminds me so much of Kevin Durant when Kevin was at Texas. Yeah. The differences being, again, I think he's a much, much better shooter than Durant was uh, at Texas. And the other part is he's just so much more agile. I mean, this is a this is a kid. I made the point last week. He can pay, he can play literally all five positions. If you want to give him the ball and let him be a, a run the point, I think he can. <clears throat> And there was, yeah. there was a, there was a guy, if I'm not mistaken, at Michigan State that used to play all five positions. Uh, I think he might have won a thing or two. I'm unsure. I have to check my notes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that potential is is there, and and we could we could spend a whole bunch of time talking about his yeah. uh, Michigan State prospects. But yeah, I think there's certain situations if the roster shapes up the way it is I would not be surprised if Amani is playing some point guard um, you know for Michigan State if things work out a certain way so um, but again I think he has that skill set his his passing ability is probably his least talked about skill because he averages you know 33 points and 12 rebounds but yeah he's getting five six assists and imagine when you're passing to other division one basketball players that can hit open shots as opposed to a high school kid that maybe isn't shooting 40, 45% from, from three, you know, I think his, his assist numbers are only going to go up as he gets more and more talent around him. So maybe, maybe we'll see that this next year when he's at um, his new Ipsy prep school um, with, with some talented guys from around the country. And I, Maybe his scoring will go down, but I could see his assist numbers going up and him being maybe around, more around that double-digit mark, to be honest. Are there some other players that you've gotten a chance to see or be around that that really struck you that are heading to uh, other D1 schools? Yeah, so so we've come across some good players um, that we've played against. Um, trying to think off the top of my head of anybody that jumps out specifically outside of Michigan State recruiting, which is something I do tend to follow um, a little closer. But uh, I mean, What about Foster Lawyer's brother that just uh, transferred out to uh, La Lumineer? Yeah, so he's a – I don't know. So does, does Foster's career so far deter his future prospects? Well, isn't he bigger? I, he is bigger. He's 6'3", 6'4". Um, so maybe that allows him to get, get off a shot a little easier, but hey, look, hey, was La Lumineer knocking down the door for Foster to come play? And, and I like the kid, God bless the kid, but I mean, you know, my thoughts on Foster Lawyer, his brother seems to be bigger, stronger, faster, better shooter, possibly, maybe. I, I mean, to be determined, but. I mean, he can certainly get to the rack. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can speak of is is that Clarkson program is is no slouch, and they're playing the best of the best in the state. And 
you know, he came in as a freshman and averaged 18 to 20 points a game. And he was over 20 this past year. So yeah, his ability to score is definitely there. Um, you know, I, I think him moving down there, I think, yeah, opens up a lot more doors for him. Cause I mean, just like we talked about the same thing with Amani, you go and you play with better competition. It's your, it's your opportunity to show, you know, what you can do with playing against the best and playing with the best. So um, yeah, I think players like that are, are um, impressive. I'm, I'm bummed to see some of them leave the state because that's tends to be the, the recent trend um, with the state of Michigan specifically is everybody leaves to go to prep schools, which maybe now we have a prep school in state. So some of them will stay, but um, yeah, it seems like our best talent goes elsewhere, um, which maybe sometimes hurts the quality of basketball in the state. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we're still producing talent. It's, it's, um, it's interesting to see, you know, even guys like, like Dwayne Washington from Grand Rapids, you know, didn't, didn't get, um, you know, recruited by Michigan much. Michigan State takes Gabe Brown instead, and he ends up at Ohio State, and he played as a true freshman. And, and you know, as a sophomore this past year, he was really, really good. He was one of the best guards on their team. So I think there's a ton of talent in the state of Michigan, and, and you can see that sprinkled uh, across the Big Ten. Uh, last question on the recruiting end. <laughs> to you, um, is is best how is basketball recruiting different in your mind than the football recruiting or is yeah, it yeah i mean it's a little bit different um in the sense that you have i mean don't get me wrong football and and basketball recruiting tend to overlap a lot because they're always bringing recruits to each other's games so it depends on what you're, you know, what the kid likes, you can, you know, you can sell them on a, on a football environment on a football Saturday at a school, or, you know, is the sell, the sales pitch, the, the home crowd that they're going to play in front of, um, you know, when the, you know, if they were to come there. So I think they do, they are a little bit different. Um, the one thing that basketball has that obviously football doesn't is the AAU circuit which obviously this year took a big hit with, without there being one, but um, that's a different dynamic that I think maybe gives coaches a little bit different of a look for basketball than football. I mean, we could talk again about how much of a look they actually get from AAU basketball games and the quality of play at some of those tournaments, but um, it's an opportunity for them to be seen by players. Um, you know, uh, or even coaches to be seen in the stands. So it can't hurt in their recruiting in that aspect. So I think basketball coaches are sometimes able to put in a little bit more time in, in ways and, and be seen by players that maybe will help them in recruiting, which is a little bit different than football. Well, Money, uh, I appreciate that rundown. Uh, where can people find some of your, you know, coaching videos which i actually find quite interesting um yeah where can they find you again yeah so i i follow a lot of great people so i tend to regurgitate which is i guess coaching basketball in a nutshell anyways but uh, i'm on twitter uh jt munson 11 uh feel free to follow me or, or shoot me any questions about basketball specifics i do love to chat 
about basketball, um, but sports um, in general too. So this is um, this was a lot of fun, man. No, it's it's good to have you on because you're a guy you used to. I mean, you got a heavy college basketball background, and and I'm sure we're good. Should we have a college basketball season, Lord willing, um, I can very much envision an episode with you and KP, and uh, and we're just drilling down on you know Rutgers basketball uh, <laughs> or something crazy um, in this uh, winter time. Hopefully, uh, it happens. But yeah. uh, you know, it, it, you're a guy that that has a deep background, um, a former student manager uh, for Michigan State. So that's why we kind of base everything on Michigan State because we just know so much about it. But there's a lot of things that happen at at you know whatever your given school is that's indicative of a of a larger thing, right? Um, so I appreciate the insight and, uh, you know, hopefully we get you on again. Yeah, I would love to do it, man. Um, not sure how available KP will be going forward. He, uh, I got to imagine his plate's a little full with all the scheduling conflicts coming up, but, uh, but yeah, anytime, man, I I'd love to chat about it. So hit me up. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to make sure that he gets on. Because any time to rag on you is a good time, right? Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. He's a, he's a good one, and he put up with my stuff for, for a lot of years. So uh, I, I probably got some coming back at me from him. So, Well, you know what? I can't wait to have you on again. Money, it's been a pleasure. For Peach, I'm Stu. For Money, I'm Stu. Just remember, I'm Stu. Check out Matt Bernier. Like, rate, subscribe. Hit us back up. We'll be back soon for uh, everybody involved. Thank you for listening. We will catch you next time.